This is the Brave to Believe Baseball Podcast. All right, you guys, let's listen up. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brave to Believe Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, JC. In the studio with me, as always, Bryce. Bryce, how's it going this week? I've been better. Braves-wise, week itself, not too bad. But uh, when it comes to my team, I'm going to be honest. I'm ready to get the hell out of Los Angeles, go somewhere else. The West Coast has not been kind to either team uh, over the last few days. And we'll touch on all that uh, as the episode rolls on. Overall, you know, we got through the first month of the season. Um, If you listen to last week's show, our predictions for how this month would turn out, Mine's not off to a hot hot start, but we'll see how that goes. Bryce, anything you got you want to touch on kind of a, a, around the world of baseball before we delve into the Mets and Braves news? I don't think so. The only thing I can really think of, hats off to Mike Fires, uh firing, if you will, his uh, second no-hitter of his career last night in impressive fashion. It was on the West Coast, so of course we didn't see it, but... Hats off to him. He's a you know he's a guy that's always had that stuff, and he's gonna be able to have the ability to go out there and throw a no hitter just about every time he goes out. But he's not gonna overwhelm you. But he's always had that stuff. He's a good pitcher. I've always liked him. So congrats to Mike Fires. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to him. Uh, he is a guy that's kind of flown under the radar. You know, um, as you said, he's always had pretty solid stuff. But name doesn't get mentioned in the you know even mid range uh, right. starting pitchers in the major leagues. Following up that point on the West Coast, I mean, the Mets and Braves, both on the West Coast right now, I had this grand scheme to watch as much of the game last night as I could, made it to the fourth inning, and fell asleep holding my phone trying to watch it laying in bed. Um, It turned out well Mm -hmm. last night, and that'll kind of segue into, if you want to go ahead and we'll start touching on the Mets news for the past week. Um, The first game of the San Diego series, there was talk from Chris Paddock, who is putting together a historic start for a pitcher and a guy who I believe was an eighth-round pick for the Marlins uh, when he was eventually traded to to San Diego. This guy just has electric stuff. And prior to game one, he had some pretty outspoken comments about Pete Alonzo. And I don't know, you you kind of kept up with the story too. Um, it. It was almost like he took a slide at him for winning the Rookie of the Month award uh, for the month of April. Um, I don't know. I just couldn't really figure out what his point was for for making the comments he made, basically saying he was coming after Alonzo. And he did just that in game one. I mean, he struck him out twice, I believe. Alonzo had a tough game. But I don't don't mind trash talk to some point. You know, I'm the old man uh, when it comes to old school baseball. That's what I like. But – he made those comments anyways went after Alonzo and what did you make of that whole situation before I move on to last night's game it's easy for me to have an objective opinion because my team's not involved so I've been pretty uh pretty outspoken about the fact that I like personalities and want to see more personalities in the game so when my team's not involved all for it and I think that what he said I didn't really take it as that much of a slight I think it's just a, a competitor wanting to 
you know, put some some thoughts out there that he was coming after the guy that everybody considers to be the best rookie in the National League right now. I don't have a problem with that. And the bigger thing was, I know that we had discussed last week of who we thought as far as rookies looked good so far this year, and I brought up Chris Paddock at that point, and you didn't know who he was. So for me to be able to, to say now, you know who he is, you even don't like him, whether you like him or not, it's irrelevant. You know who he is, and you have a feeling one way or the other about him, and that's great for baseball. So I don't care. Um, it's, it's kind of the, the Bryce Harper effect. I don't care if guys go out there and, and show their personality and I don't like them. If we know who they are, it's good for the sport all the way around. So I understand I understand from a Mets perspective of how you would be you know, it really didn't need to be said. Um, you know, it could have been said a different way, and that's all fine and good. But for just the pure fact that it put a little bit of emotion into a Mets and Padres series in uh, the or the early weeks of May, it really means something to me, and I think that that's good. It puts eyeballs on a, on a series that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily be tuning into. Well, I feel like that, you know, showing emotion – well, you know me well. I'm not big on showing emotion unless it is actually a Mets player that does it. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. It was the the only time I saw him show emotion in that game was when he was either striking out or getting Alonzo out. And I just found that odd. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, if you're going to pump your fist and be excited, you're excited the whole game. His was almost singularly focused on when he got Alonzo out. So that I don't understand. Well, for, well, I would say that striking out arguably the rookie of the year so far is going to be a little bit more exciting than striking out Brandon Nimmo, who's doing it every other at bat. But the thing like. is, he pitched an amazing game. Yeah. That's it. So he had a lot of strikeouts. He had a lot of you know big plays in that game. Why was he only you know really pumping his fist when he got Alonzo out? Just something I noticed. It is what it is. And I'm not saying that I agree with it. I'm just saying that the fact that he's doing it it doesn't really hurt anybody, even if it makes him come off as a jerk. It's, there's no harm in it. So if it if it wrinkles wrinkles a few feathers and and gets both teams into it a little bit more, I'm all for it. Go for it. Yeah, and that um, he obviously pitched well, got the win in that game. The Mets dropped the first game of the series, which transfers into last night's game, um, which I like I said I didn't catch. I caught the highlights, but Alonzo hit a mammoth home run to put the Mets ahead in the ninth inning. They ended up winning seven to six, and I think it was measured about four hundred sixty nine feet, but it was probably a five hundred foot home run. It wound up hitting that I think it's a concrete metal supply building, something like that, on the left side of the uh, left field. It clanged off that. They immediately S and Y pans over to Paddock in the dugout. He's stone faced. There was later footage I did see where he's saying, oh, come on, after he saw that he hit the home run. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was directed at the home run. There was a really poor attempt at a bat flip, which Alonzo later said the bat was stuck in his hand. You could tell something wasn't right because he basically tried to flip his bat, which I think really that would have been a chance to do it. You know, mm-hmm. you put your team ahead in the ninth inning. If there's ever a time for a little bit of a, a celebration there, that's fine. Instead, it got stuck in his hand. He threw it straight up in the air, and I thought it missed the umpire. It actually almost hit him, nicked him in the back of the hat. Um so it was uh, a pretty exciting game. Transferred into day, back to our, our offenses, back to the, the doldrums that has been in. We put up two runs and ended up losing three to two. Uh, but you're probably thinking I'm going to go into this just being down in the dumps. You know, we're just was there an end inside to this losing streak? This losing streak's over, but the poor you, offensive output. Yeah, you probably should be. Your offense stinks. You know what though? I am actually 
cautiously optimistic, and I'll That's give good. you a couple reasons why. We are finishing up on the West Coast. We have a day off. We come back. We have the Marlins for three this weekend. Immediately, I'm excited because they're awful. Mm-hmm. So maybe if we just score a couple runs in those games, we can actually beat the Marlins. We then go to Washington and then to Miami. That's our basically our next week of games. Washington may be worse than Miami right now. They can't do anything right. They can't even get their plane operating uh, the way it should. They're sitting on a runway for hours and hours. So hopefully this gives us a break in the next seven days to get our heads right, take the day off, and get back on the right track. My second point, Jed Lowry is coming off of the DL on Friday. IL, excuse me, on Friday. That that There's two things I like about that. I like Jed Lowry. I think he brings a lot to the lineup. He switch, he's a switch hitter, plays multiple positions. You can put him at third, put him at second if you have to, shortstop if Rosario needs a break. The main thing, it gets Todd Frazier out of the lineup. He can, he will not be starting while Lowry's there for the most part. Um, so that that excites me because I just feel like Todd Frazier at this point is a – He's a off the bat late inning pinch hitter, and that's what his role is. So with those two things, the pitching's been there. Our overall, our starting pitching's been pretty good, and the bullpen has, for the most part's been good too. I feel like this is our opportunity to turn a corner. Now, if we're recording this next week and we've lost, say, four, you know, the next four games of on our schedule, then I'll be the first to admit I was a dope for believing they would turn turn it around. But that's just kind of – am I just completely crazy for thinking that for the reasons I just listed? No. I would wonder – I know we had talked about what's the what's the injury situation with the rotation with Vargas and Mats? Vargas and Mats. Mats has a nerve issue. Supposedly it's not major. We've heard that story before. Vargas is like a, a – it's a minor hamstring thing. I think he's going to miss – couple turns through the rotation however i think because of our schedule and the days off that we don't actually need a fifth starter until like the end of the month so we brought uh, made a trade with the rays and picked up wilmer font he started today mm-hmm. wasn't bad he's been in the bullpen for them he started a few games last year um but he i think he went maybe five innings today gave up a couple runs not not a bad he's not he's a pretty serviceable arm uh really just made a spot start i don't I think Matt's is expected back before Vargas, but nonetheless, long story short, I think it's we're we're going to be okay in the rotation. The depth's definitely not there, but do y'all not have anybody in the minor leagues? Any no, pitchers that are no, anywhere it's Chris close Flexen to and Corey Oswalt are the two that. That's it. Yeah. So that's why it's really baffled me that they haven't given Keiko at least a good hard look. Maybe they don't think that's maybe they don't think feel like Keiko's any better. I don't know, but. Well, there was uh, uh, that was one thing that was uncovered was uh, at the top of the show was did you read the article with Kai Cole that was on Yahoo Sports this week, basically covering his stance at this point and how he's feeling that he's still doing his simulated games, going through his routine, and apparently it came out or he admitted in the article that Scott Boris had encouraged him at several points to sign contracts that had been offered to him and he still refused, so. Even at this juncture, Boris has encouraged him to take a take a job, go somewhere, prove yourself, maybe try this again next year. And Keiko is committed to not necessarily being a martyr, but sending a sending a statement, you know, making a point that you take a contract of what you feel like your value is. Now, I did read a lot of the comments on these stories and a lot on Twitter that ninety nine percent said this is a guy that's 
way overvaluing himself because whatever analytics he's looking at is not what everybody else is looking at so it is uh it's out there if you want to go read it i saw it on yahoo sports i'm sure you could find it um it's a pretty good read and just gives you an idea of what these guys are thinking about because i'm sure craig kimberl is in the same state of mind but uh, it's just just something to think about as i you know a lot of teams are and including the mets could use uh you know that additional guy in the rotation right now as injuries start to pile up for a lot of places yeah and i think the thing that kind of stands out to me is you know i heard the chatter early you know maybe in spring training or up before the season started you know people saying why isn't keichel signed and a lot of you know inside sources that you know are not going to be named would come out and say that he's just not that good well at that time i thought well maybe they're downplaying it to kind of you know angle the market back in their favor well i mean we're headed into the middle of may and a lot of the same people are saying the same thing. He's just not that good, and that's that's why he hasn't signed. If he's holding off for a multi-year, you know, sixty or seventy million dollar deal, you know, that may even be low considered what he's wanting. I know that Kimbrel's kind of been in that what four or five year, eighty million, hundred million dollar mm-hmm. deal. I just I still don't think it's out there. I think they may get more than that one year, you know, pillowed cushion deal or whatever they're talking about. But I just don't think there's not a huge contract in either one of their futures. No, and and Keiko admitted that whenever he was uh, whenever he was discussing it that he was aware of the draft pick uh, situation that a team was gonna, would lose a draft pick if he does wind up getting signed before the before the draft. So he's aware of that and said he's fine waiting that out, but he's not fine with taking less than what he feels like he's worth. So he's a man of principle. He seems like a smart guy, uh, I, but I. I agree with the majority that I think he's just overvaluing himself a little bit, but do what you feel you have to do. And um, hopefully he gets back to work soon because he is a good pitcher that I still think has something to offer. And, and I like to watch him pitch and I want to see him pitching for a contender down the stretch. Uh, hopefully not a team that's going against us, but he needs to be, he needs a job. He needs to be somewhere because uh, he's another one of those guys that's good for the game. And hopefully he'll get back in it before too long. Absolutely. Circling back to the Mets, I have one more quick thing, kind of a stat to throw at you, uh, and a little bit of gloating, I guess, based on my uh, preseason NL Rookie of the Year pick, Pete Alonzo. I really didn't think he would get off of the start he's gotten off to. I believe he's leading the the National League rookies in home runs with 11 runs, and then I think he's in the top five in at least four to five other offensive categories. But um, just had an outstanding month of April, and it's kind of continued into May. I hope he can keep it up. The stat that I heard on the game today that kind of blew me away uh, that Gary Cohen mentioned on SNY was that the Mets, do you want to take a guess at this, the Mets leader for most home runs by the All-Star break. I can't remember the exact person they said, but do you want to know what the, you get? Can you guess what that number is? Most homers by the All-Star break? By the All-Star break. 19. 15. That's which I thought bad. was extremely low. And we're sitting what? just a little under right at two months until the all-star break. So he has a chance to shatter that record. And then some, I'm not going to be surprised. I mean, he said 11 oh, be through done the first May. month. Yeah. Right. He'll be, he'll have it by the end of May. Yeah. You would think so. And I don't know. I, I think I predicted early, you know, before the season, 25 to 30 home runs. Now he's going to have a cooling off spell. You would think, um, you know, even Acuna with the season he had last year, he wasn't, you know, on fire a hundred percent of the time. You're going to have, hmm some streaks where you cool off but I mean this guy he may just fall backwards bar you know no injuries obviously you hope he stays healthy he's liable to fall backwards into 30 home runs and he could be north of that by the end of the season 
And what I like to see is that you're not necessarily um, accompanying that with a ton of strikeouts either. I think he's a he's a good hitter. Um, it's those will come like we talked about in the you know early episodes before this season. The book's going to get out. Uh, they're going to figure out some things about him, and he'll have to make some adjustments. And I think he can because he's a really good hitter. But it'll it'll even out a little bit. But I don't see any way as of this part of the season that he's not going to hit probably 35 home runs and and be at the very top of the leaderboard for the national league rookie of the year because he's he's fantastic you know as much as I, you don't want to admit uh too much for a guy that's on a division rival but he's he's something special and he's going to be for for quite some time and he's proven it well and his, his defense hasn't been a liability that was all we heard coming up you know he just can't play first he needs to be a dh uh you know for the most part he's worked on his on his defense and he's held up well and I think the thing coming into the season was that he was only a fastball hitter. That's what a lot of people said. You know, anything anything fast, he can catch up to it and, you know, put it in play or put it over the wall. Well, he's hitting curveballs, he's hitting sliders, and, and he's taking the ball to different areas of the field. I think that wasn't expected. I think people thought he came in, he's just going to try to turn on everything and hit it 600 feet. Uh, but like you said, he's made adjustments. Now, pitchers are going to make adjustments too, but super excited from what I've seen. And he without him, think about it, where this team would be, at this point in the season, I mean, they've they've disappointed as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they're three games under 500 at this point. It's early in the season. But you take Alonzo out of that, I think he, I saw some stat where he had seven of his home runs have come uh, – or I took correction, four of his home runs have come in the ninth inning uh, or later in games. And that's a pretty crazy stat, you know, to only have played 30-something games this, this early season. Uh, so, anyways, I digress. Hope he can keep it up because this guy is really working towards being – one of my favorite players. I mean, David Wright was my favorite player, and obviously until he had to retire, and Pete Alonzo stepped in, he may be taking uh, taking that mantle from him going forward. We will now transition over to the Atlanta Braves and all the positive news Bryce is going to pass on to us. There's not a ton to cover from the past couple of days. I've been able to catch uh, what I can these West Coast trips are, are especially difficult, but I did get to see uh, pretty much all the game last night, unfortunately, because it was over in about two and a half hours. Wasn't a lot of offense to uh, to slow the game down. Ryu was uh, phenomenal. He's a guy that, uh, for the Dodgers at home, is absolutely unhittable. I believe they uh, had a stat that as of in his last 56 innings at home, he hasn't walked anybody. And that's preposterous. That's just unreal. And he's six and zero, I believe, in his last seven starts there with a ERA of about point nine. So the guy's special. He's uh, he's really fun to watch if you like a little bit of the older school baseball because he hits all of his spots. He's working every part of the strike zone, and he's not throwing a hundred. But it's good enough. All of his stuff's good enough. And his location is just amazing that he just carves up guys before they even know even know what happened. And it's really uh, it's really something to see. So if you get a chance to see him, I recommend uh, you catch one of his games and, and whenever he's on the bump because he's, he's really fun to watch. Uh, if it's your offense, it's not fun to watch, as we witnessed last night. But it's you've got to take it with a grain of salt because it's been this way for half a decade now. We can't win in LA. They just have our number, and it's just part of the part of the 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 problem of being a Braves fan is you just know when you go out to the West Coast, especially Dodger Stadium, 
it's going to end poorly. Uh, and you kind of deal with it. It's just part of the part of the whole growing process. But what you don't ever get used to is seeing Justin Turner come up against your team. And I don't know, you might be able to, to answer this question for me. Every team has a guy that is not a headliner in the league. He's not, you know, uh, you know, one of the faces of the league. But anytime you play them, he's just a guy that will absolutely destroy your team. You just know it's going to happen. And no matter if he's coming off of an injury, if it's his first game of the year, he's going to light you up. And Justin Turner is that guy. I'm terrified of playing against Justin Turner. And this is not degrading Justin Turner in any way because he's a former you know, MVP candidate guy and and he's going to be perennially when perennial perennial nope that one's not going to work perennially there it is uh whenever he's healthy and he's able to get out there but and it he came into the game with one home run and six rbis and then had three home runs last night it's just not fair the guy tears us apart and i I hate to say it because i really like him i like him as a player he seems like a really good good fella and uh yeah i've always been a fan of his game but it just stinks watching him play us because he's just ruthless. Before I get on to my feelings on this, can I remind you that we just let him walk away? You did. Basically for nothing. Yeah. So there, there's two questions I have for you, and I can get your opinion on these because I did think about these watching the game last night uh, since I don't have a ton of other Braves news to get into. Uh, number one, can you think of somebody that your team let go that you regret more than Justin Turner? And number two, who is the Mets killer that you – absolutely dread playing it at this point and this guy's this he's just a really good player i think he kills a lot of teams um but it's rendon uh it's been that way for the last few years ryan howard used to be that guy yeah which really eat me alive because i never thought ryan howard was that good um but it, it it's hard those guys just like I said last week, there's certain things you just know is going to happen. If your bullpen's imploding and a guy's pitching poorly, you know that's going to happen. When those guys get up in certain spots, I can close my eyes and turn away, and I know exactly how it's going to play out. It may not be a home run every time, but they're going to get an RBI. They're going to hit a double. It's just the way it usually works. Yeah, out. they're incapable of not producing against your team. It's right. just it's, it's going to be a productive at bat, right? So, but and going back to your point, the hard thing with the Dodgers situation. And you got into this last year when the Braves made the playoffs. I've never seen you so excited and dejected at the same time. Because, and it's not just you, but a lot of Braves fans I talked to, they had no hope whatsoever in the playoffs knowing the history against the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. And the Dodgers are a team that are going to be there every year. So as a Braves fan, just as you mentioned, you know, knowing that, does that temper your expectations? So say, I know you've been a little down on where you think the Braves can get to, but say they can get into that wild card game or they can get into the, you know, the division series, but they have to play the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers aren't going anywhere, at least for the immediate future. When your team performs so poorly against another team that is in the playoffs year after year, what is your, what is your mindset when it comes to that? That's where all the frustration comes from, even when we're, even last year, because if you're a real Braves fan and you've been watching this team for a long time, you know when they're good and you know when they're just there. And I still have that feeling right now. This team's not good enough to beat the Dodgers in a, in a series, even a five-game series. This team's not good enough to beat the Brewers in a five-game series. Uh, 
probably not the Cardinals and probably not the Cubs at this point. So we still have a team that could that could win the division possibly, but we're not beating anybody in the playoffs because we're just the talent's not there. We're a good team, but we're just the rotation is not comparable to uh, to the best teams in the National League, and you'd have to we need really need to see more consistency and growth from Acuna and Albies as as superstars that I think can hit off of the best pitchers in the National League in a full series before I could be comfortable saying that we could compete with somebody like that, and we don't have a bullpen either. Like it's it's piecemeal at this point, and it's it's decent we get by for the regular season but once it gets to the playoffs you can't run the bullpen that we have out there right now in that situation so it's just you just know your team whenever you watch them day in day out you know your team and you see other teams that are much better than yours and you go yeah we can't we can't we're not that's not us we're we can't compete with that team you might take three or four out of them in a series but you just know that team has the talent that's going to last the entire season and is going to show up in the postseason whenever we have guys that I just don't trust to to show up in the big moments like that. It's not impossible, but you know the you know the your chances going in and the actual probability of it. Well, the irony with what you just said, I mean, I don't I think you could fill in the blank with not just the Braves, but you could say the Mets, uh, the Phillies, or the Nats. As competitive as this NL East is going to be, I still don't think they're as good as most of the NL other NL leaders out there. Right. I mean, I can put a dozen teams ahead of all those teams, even as hot as the Phillies have been. I still don't think that team's as good as what their record is right now. I feel like the Dodgers are better. I think the Rockies for a little bit could be better than all those teams. The Cardinals, the Cubs. I mean, there's several teams out there that I just don't feel like those East teams are on the same level. No. But I will say this, if it makes you feel any better. In 2015, which you watched through this, obviously, watching a lot of those games with me, Going into that postseason, I'm sure you felt this way too. I did not think the Mets could, could could compete with the Dodgers or the Cubs, and they made it all the way to the World Series. It all depends on if you get hot at the right time and as much as you want to look at it now and say, ah, I just don't think our team – and I understand your frustrations with bullpen and everything else. I'm right there with you. But you never know. Some of these teams fall in the postseason like you – you know, you think it just they'd cakewalk to the World Series. And I know the Dodgers have been there, what, three of the last four years or whatever. But that's the one thing about baseball. If I could tell you to stay positive about it, that's the one thing that anything can happen. Yeah. No, you're definitely right. And you don't – you never give up. You prepare yourself for the worst in series like that, but you always, uh, you know, still deep down hope for the best. Touch on the que- Justin Turner question again. Can you think of a bit that I want to circle back to that? Don't want to leave it unanswered for all the fans out there. Because I'm lucky as a Braves fan, and I'll go ahead and give my response, that it's difficult to think of uh, anybody that the Braves would let go that really comes back to bite them because they're notoriously good about letting guys go who then go on to not prove anything. Uh, probably it, maybe Anderson Simmons still stings. Just yeah. because he's still, you know, one he had of the a best good Braves career, though he did, he did. He had a very good career. Uh, we still let him go with, you know, basically in his prime, though. And Dansby looks good right now. Dansby's having a good year, so it's not completely, uh, you know, a letdown. But he would, he would be up there with the tops. But Braves wise, Kimbrel got in a few good years. He got himself a ring. That one kind of stings, especially when the bullpens. I don't not not Kimbrel now, but Kimbrel right. from the past couple of years. Um, He's went on to produce, and our bullpen has just been ravaged for the past uh, few seasons. So that one would probably be up there. But and I could probably go back further, but 
It's well, I, not, I don't think there's any Justin Turners in there where it's a... No, well, to answer your question, no, not that I can think of. Um, I think you have to go into it with a caveat that that person maybe didn't do a lot for your team, and then you let him go, and then he moved on. Well, they did have the stat last night that Turner had eight home runs when he started his career with the Dodgers, and he's had 88 since then, I believe. So, Well, and it's, like you said, the only other one that maybe pops to my mind, and it doesn't look that great right now, is um, Michael Fulmer. He was in the Cespedes trade. Yeah. Um but that was a trade. We also got Cespedes. He got us to the help us get us to the World Series. So I can't really complain. But when he was in the Cy Young talks, it was like, okay, what if this guy was still in our rotation? But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty on a deal like that. So okay, yeah. Just wanted to revisit that. Make sure we didn't <laughs> leave it unanswered there. No, it's uh, I can't really think. Most of the time, we're taking guys who are pretty good and then immediately killing their careers. So it's not like we're sending too many too many guys elsewhere and them, you know, making us, paying us back later on. So. Yeah, that's true. There was one other I was trying to, I'm not going to dwell on it, but there was one other one I thought I was, uh, had come up with for the Mets, but I can't think of it at the moment. It'll probably come to me here in a minute. Uh, the only other story I could think of for the Braves this week, and it's a little bit of an underlying story that you're probably going to hear more about as the coming weeks go along. Uh, Ender Enciarte, I just pulled up his stats takes a second to look at him and not want to gag. Uh, Ender Enciarte so far this year, still playing good defense, but at the plate in 124 plate appearances. He's hitting 225 with a 641 OPS. About 850 is about league average. So he's roughly 200 points below on the on-base plus slugging. If you need that translated, if you're not really familiar with too much sabermetrics, that's very bad. 200 points below about league averages is, is really bad. He has uh, two homers and seven RBIs and three stolen bases. And that's, like I said, that's in what we've accomplished so far this year. Austin Riley has nine homers in his last 46 at-bats. And he's starting in left field for the first time at Gwinnett tonight. Already has a homer. He's looked really good in this uh, past 15 games or so. Just absolutely hammering the ball. And he goes on massive streaks like this where it's Alonzoian, if you will, where he's just going to hit probably a home run every game. And he's just going to put eye-popping numbers up there. So one of the stories that you're probably going to run across over the coming weeks is if Austin Riley continues producing the way that he is, you may very well see a push to at least move Ender and Ciarte to the bench, uh, and you're bringing up Austin Riley for a look in the outfield uh, of Riley Acuna and then Marcakis in right field. So that's it's it's a thing that you might want to keep in mind if Enciarte just uh, continues to struggle. It's going to be interesting because Enciarte signed an extension with the Braves. They could still move him. He's super inexpensive, but. He's really just not producing at the plate at all right now. He's killing them in a lot of games. He's a, you know, he seems like he's up every time there's a rally going on and he just can't seem to get on base. Uh, and it's just really working to their detriment. And he's always made a living off of his defense and it's not, it's not weighing out. So I think that's just one thing that's, that's to keep an eye on. Um, whenever you're trying to avoid watching us play the Dodgers, uh, the next couple series are going to be uh, really uh, are really going to prove a lot because we have some tough series coming up. 
I know we go to the Diamondbacks next, and then I believe we have um, Mardinal, or, uh, Mardinals. Uh, the Brewers and Cardinals, I believe, are both in there. So we're going to see a lot in these next coming days, and I really fear that my prediction of us being three over 500 at the end of this month is just going to be look pretty pathetic. But that's that's all the stories that I have. I know um, you may not have anything to add on the on the Riley and Enciarte thing, but other than that, there's not not a ton of Braves news this week. Uh, Gossman did get fined and suspended five games for throwing at Jose Urania last week. It's a non-story. He's not even really going to miss a start. He just pitched on Monday night, so it's uh, it's pretty sad. I don't really think anybody should be suspended for throwing at somebody and not hitting them, but. That's my personal opinion. Story for a different day, but that's all the. That's pretty much everything in, in Braves news so far this week. Well, I guess my only question about Enciarte is sad. I mean, that's a guy that I thought. I mean, he's always performed for the most part pretty well against the Mets. I know he robbed that home run uh, maybe two years ago. I think against the Mets might have been might last have been three. Year. Oh, really? Um, but and they moved him down pretty far in the lineup, right? He's hitting mm-hmm. like seventh or something like that. Yeah. Where would Riley? fit into that lineup i mean donaldson is he hitting second right donaldson's now? still second and you'd probably see riley move to the five spot maybe i think that that would as, as much power as the guy has you, and if he's if he's hitting pretty well then that's probably where you would want him sandwiching acuna between uh him and freeman or and you can move him put him to sixth behind marcakis you have you have a lot of options I just think maybe that way you could go right, left, right, not in that order, but you know what I'm saying, right. go right, left, right, left. You could put him at six, and you'd still be going left, right every every at-bat. So, yeah, at least offensively, that seems like that might be, you know, if he can play some outfield. That's the other thing, and this is kind of a point to both of our teams. These guys that are in the lineup, Todd Frazier just came back, and I don't want to harp on him because Rosario has been – and that's another guy who – not to just go back to Mets news, but you know, you have guys who you have such high expectations for who have just been, he's been bad offensively. He's been good at times. His defense is, he's been one of the worst short, shortstops in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure how that even happens. Well, I don't, wouldn't, do you think it's a loss of confidence at this point? I I mean, I'm sure once it's like the yips, like they always mm-hmm. say, it gets in your head. And then also like he had a ball hit to him last night. That was, basically straight to him maybe slightly off to his right and he made it look like he was thinking about every single step he like fielded it weird like threw it weird it bounced over I I think there's just a lot going on in his head right now and his offense doesn't warrant him being in there every day now I'm not sure what the answer is do you play Jed Lowry at shortstop more Uh, Denny Hecavaria can hit but his defense is great um I don't know it's it's players like that that you continue to strut out there. And Enciarte is probably in the same situation. That's why I'm kind of tying them together. Not that he's been a defensive liability, but when they don't hit and you see their name in the lineup day after day after day, at what point are you like, okay, I don't care what you're paying this guy. Get somebody in there that can do something. Because mm-hmm. you're already, at least we are, our catchers aren't doing anything offensively. That's two spots in the lineup where you're just not getting anything really much out of them. It's time to make a change. Yeah, and and it's tough because Enciarte is a very very strong second half player, and you can look at any of his his numbers from the second half historically, and he's always come along better in the second half. So you don't want to get rid of him just because just before he goes on a tear, but you can't let him 
weigh down your offense for an entire season so it's it's something they're gonna have to consider I'm uh curious to see how it's gonna work out and and the route they go with that but hopefully uh you have the best of both worlds and and he can pick it up and, and Riley continues his production as well so we'll see where it goes and uh you know it's gonna be another one of those storylines it's a long year and we just cross your fingers hope for the best and and the rest of the lineup I think looks good so far so we're still still good on that point you just have to wait it out and and hope that he turns it around sooner rather than later and with that being said that wraps up the Braves news and notes for the week a little bit shorter episode this week but that's our plan going forward Uh, sometimes we have a lot of news and sometimes uh, you kind of scramble for some things Uh, but this is a couple weeks in a row we're going to keep it rolling going throughout hopefully the rest of the season If you don't mind, hop over to iTunes. Give us a review. Even if you don't want to give a review, give us a five-star rating. We would greatly appreciate it. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you can find your podcast. Chances are we're there. We appreciate everybody that takes the time to download, subscribe to the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. We want to make it a good part of your week. And Bryce, you want to tell them where they can reach out to us on social media? Twitter and Instagram, the same handle it is at brave the number two believe or shoot us an email thoughts questions concerns suggestions brave the number two believe pod at gmail.com thank you sir and i just want to give a brief message out there to everybody keep your heads up i think things are going to get better don't take it out on me if they don't it's been a rough few days in tomahawk nation as well with the metsies but i'll tell you what I think it's going to get better, and hopefully it will be this time next week when we join you. Thanks for listening to us. This has been the Brave to Believe baseball podcast. Get well soon, Ron Darling. (laughs) 